In a world of uncertainty, one thing is for sure, cancer doesn't stop during a global crisis. On Saturday, June 13th, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society will host a trailblazing event, Big Virtual Climb, sponsored by AbbVie, to support their investment in groundbreaking research to advance blood cancer cures and its first-in-class patient education and services, including financial support and clinical trial navigation. Step up to take cancer down by climbing 61 floors or 1,762 steps, inside or outside, on stairs, on the road, or your treadmill. Climb your way. Join us for an opening ceremony and then take on your climb with our heart-pumping playlist. Join us on June 13th from coast to coast as we come together to climb, conquer, cure. Register at the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society lls.org slash big climb again that's lls.org slash big climb listen my dad may he rest in peace he came down with leukemia i think in about the year 2000 i remember the trials and treatments that he went through and and uh taking drugs and having to inject himself with it and it would burn going in and he'd feel like he had the flu and and medicine has come such a long way with this disease. Let's let's get rid of it forever. So this is a great cause and just, you know, sign up, do your part, climb those steps. Welcome to Tampering with Sam Amick and Joe Varner. This beautiful game of basketball that we all love and talk about every single day. Uh-huh, 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 to be able to bring people together. Reportedly at the center of an NBA investigation into tampering accusations. And the message to executive in the league is stop talking about players on other teams. What did I do? The charges filed. Impermissible contact. Right or wrong? Tampering charges are really difficult to prove. You know me, I talk. (laughs) (laughs) Awkward to even talk about it. I can't even mention Dean's anymore. Actually, what I like to play with Kevin Durant. Trial, you're one with tampering. They're always ahead of the rules. It's not rocket science. Everybody, we don't have tampering with the guys. I didn't tamper. I'm just telling you what happened. I'm just telling you what happened. Hello and welcome to the Tampering Podcast at The Athletic. I'm Sam Amick here as always with my guy Joe Varden on the Ohio side of the country. My friend Joseph, how are you? Sam, I have no jokes prepared for you. You better bring it, brother. I have no witty retorts. I have no insults. Uh, I'm here. I'm wearing shorts today because it's 80 degrees in Ohio and um, I'm ready to go. But I've got nothing funny to say. Well, that you suck because you have nothing funny, so way to go. Uh, you better bring it because all the pressure is on you and I both because we do not have a guest for the first time in a very long time. It's you and I grabbing our bar stools, sitting here at the at the old uh, watering hole and talking about the NBA like we have always enjoyed doing. Um, and I am looking forward to it because, my God, Joe, we have stuff to talk about it's incredible. There's news, there's headlines. Um, I'm going to give the disclaimer to make sure that, that nobody is offended by the tone of, of this conversation. I'm, I think it's okay for us to be a little bit excited just to have something to talk about. Now, it, it remains an incredibly somber time around the world and around the country, and health is the foremost concern as we discuss hoops and the NBA and what's going to happen next here. But things are absolutely, you know, absolutely happening um, within the past week-ish, roughly, uh, 
you know, we at The Athletic had reported on the prospect of the NBA returning to the 1920 season in the beautiful city of Orlando, the Walt Disney World uh, ESPN Wide World of Sports Complex, whatever the heck they call it, as a single-site location. Um, the league subsequently made a formal statement indicating that they were in negotiations with Walt Disney World. Um, you know, a very rough timeline of mid-July, late-July type of setup. And again, the disclaimer that um, Mother Nature and the coronavirus and, and the medical and scientific side of this is going to continue to rule things so if there is a major uptick in that part of the country if there's any sort of outbreak among you know the nba family then that certainly could change things but as it stands joe um it does look very very possible that the balls will will start bouncing again Uh, and what exactly that looks like we don't know just yet but it looks like it'll be orlando um your thoughts yeah, my thoughts are I, I kind of disagree with with you with the disclaimer. I think it's a, I think it's done. Uh, I think they're playing, and I actually I don't know what the virus would have to do to to walk this back. I think that I think that there's too much momentum heading in the direction of playing, and they're going to do what they can to try to keep everybody as safe as they can. Um, like you know when we're when we start talking about. <clears throat> You know, this we don't know what's going to happen with the virus, and we're talking about a second wave, and like that could happen, <laughs> and that would be awful, of course. Yeah, um, I mean that's it's a know. dark conversation. It, it is, but I don't. I just don't know. I I think because of the way everything got handled, like everything, like I I don't think that we're set up to to shut down again. Um, and and I think I think that like we just have this strange. Uh, we're just in this really strange place where, like, people are just going to try to muddle through, as scary as that sounds. So it's like within that context, I, I think, you know, basketball is coming back and it's okay to be a little excited about it. I mean, you know, everybody's been tweeting this about what the last dance, their ratings, and and then the ratings for that goofy uh, Tiger Phil uh, charity golf from Sunday were just ridiculous. I mean, it just shows, like... You got a documentary and a charity event through the roof ratings. Like people are ready for oh, this. Yeah. They're ready for sports yeah. to come back. So I had a, a neighbor who I frequently reference on this podcast um, sent out a group invite to our street, and as always, it, this was going to be a socially distanced thing. But it said, uh, he said, I'm going to have uh, NASCAR, and, and I don't know if this is on your radar, but whatever fanless form of NASCAR they apparently started doing, he okay. said, I'm going to have that. It's going to be on my TV on this day at this time, and I don't even like NASCAR, but I'm so thirsty for live sports that it's going to be on. If if you want to, you know, walk by the house and look through the garage and and enjoy. I mean, the level of interest is going to be monumental. Now, obviously, no fans. Um, yeah, you know, to hit the the rewind button on how we got to this point, it's been an interesting couple of weeks when it comes to the location uh, discussion and the location verdict yeah. here. You had, for the most part, only Orlando and Las Vegas as the front runners in the situation. It was, you know, later reported, Kevin O'Connor at the Ringer had reported that Houston was pushing hard. Uh, I had definitely heard about the Houston proposition, um, and that was all based in, you know, the, 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 again, the med- medicine and the science. They have the largest uh, medical center on the planet in the city of Houston, and they were 
basically painting a picture for why that was the safest place to be in, in their kind of you know for in, in their eyes, and that didn't pan out for them. The Vegas thing, it's one you never have those those debates when in the moment it seems like a very reasonable debate, um, meaning Vegas versus Orlando. And then when they make the decision, I'm going to be honest, I, I kind of look back at the Vegas thing, and I'm like, how in the world was this <laughs> seriously considered? I just, right. the optics are awful. The awful. state of affairs are, are not great. Clark County in Vegas has had a very, you know, extremely rough time, especially in the context of Nevada. The vast majority of cases in that state are in the Vegas area. Um, not to mention that when you start talking about mid-July, late-July, Vegas will be reopening in some substantive form. And as I had one player tell me who was expressing concerns, like, am I supposed to trust uh, the other 450 players to stay within our bubble in Vegas and not veer off to, you know, various kind of, uh, you know, um, CD establishments that might have some uh, coronavirus hanging around? You know, it's just now that I look back at it, it's, it seems um, like a, a far more dangerous situation, even if it's just the optics and how bad they are. So, uh, again, uh, as it stands out, you know, right now, it looks like Orlando. What, how do you see the lay of the land out there? And you wrote at length uh, this week or going into the weekend about the Disney relationship, you know, um, outgoing CEO Bob Iger and his friendships with Adam Silver and Chris Paul and, and what this could mean for the, uh, the Mickey Mouse establishment. How do you see it? Yeah, um, there's a lot of that. I mean, first on the on the Vegas side, I was I was with you, um, and and I was even going to ask you. I know you just asked me a question, but you're saying that Vegas was always a front runner, but I, I almost wonder if they were just a front runner in name only, just because of prior like the the obvious prior summer league relationship. Like the NBA is there during those points in the summer anyway. And so let's 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 just have everyone say Vegas because, like you said, like the idea of a bubble while people are there gambling, like, just is insane. I, I that there, there's no way, shape, or form that that made any sense. So I think they were legit, but I also think anybody with an ounce of sense about negotiations knows you don't want to be betting, uh, you know, or negotiating against yourself. So at minimum, the league you know, was able to, you know, and this is, this is a negotiation between the NBA and these cities. How is it going to look? And, and their ability to apply as much pressure as possible in terms of demanding certain things on the safety front and, and getting the best deal possible from whichever city they choose is important, right? So if it's just the NBA talking to Walt Disney World, then, you know, you, you need another dog in the fight. So Vegas, I think, was important for that. I think also, though, the, the real element here is that the players do like Vegas quite a bit and they are comfortable there for at least a lot of them um, from the summer league experience and even more than summer league though Joe the sense I got was that the recent um, presence of the G League showcase and the structure and and they just started going there last year and so to paint the picture for the listeners the G League showcase goes to Vegas it's inside the MGM Grand and it is uh, essentially, you know, a convention center atmosphere with curtains uh, separating multiple basketball courts and no fans at all. And so there's a lot of parallels that, to what they did in the G League Showcase. You had scouts, executives, coaches. So there were people, but not massive amounts of people. You probably could have socially distanced if you wanted to. And the games were in between. And then 
their pitch from MGM involved, you know, the ability to house, you know, pretty massive amounts of staff and players and coaches uh, while allowing them to roam within a couple of, you know, blocks and a couple of casinos. So, I mean, I, you know, there was part of me that could see it. Uh, the part that scared me to death, though, is that because of the timeline and you're getting so deep into the summer where the public at large was going to be, you know, coming into Vegas at bigger and bigger numbers, I think that was a problem. Um, but the player stuff is probably how I would answer your question. I mean, I talked to an agent last week that was was kind of preemptively griping about the quality of the hotels and the experience for the players in Vegas versus Orlando. Even joked about how if you're you know if you're in Orlando and you get bored at night, you know, then you stay bored. If you're in Vegas, you can go play craps. You know, and it, it sounds great, <laughs> but but it's um, you know one one environment I think is going to be a lot more sanitary than the other. So here's the catch. Um, Disney World will probably be open too um, by the time this all gets started. If if you and this was you part think, of my story, are they going to yeah, do, do? Yeah, sorry to interject, but like because I read your piece, but are you thinking most likely um, like the thirty percent ish range in terms of crowd? Yeah, so they, I mean, the, you know, Disney uh, executives on their second quarter earnings call basically were saying, you know, we don't know obviously what's going to happen in America, but the idea would be to follow what they did with their park in Shanghai. And so in today's story, what we do is quote that and then say, okay, the virus's path being what it was in China and really getting started in January, like really starting to spread. February was when the lockdown first occurred in Wuhan. And then it's May and Shanghai Disney opens. Okay, so just for for conversation purposes, if you uh, apply the same general timeline to the United States, that would put Disney World's opening in uh, in July. And yes, to answer your question, uh, they would likely start at a staggered number, roughly 30% of attendance. which which out there in, in Shanghai was about twenty four thousand people a day. Now we don't know what that number is um, for the for the Orlando uh, facility. We just don't. We don't know what that looks like. But and this was the thing, you know, for Disney to really capitalize on this. Like, okay, it's going to be an obvious marketing advantage. Um, every game on TNT or the Disney networks of ESPN, ABC, every single time the ball goes up and down the floor, you're going to see Walt Disney World, Wide World of Sports written on the court. And every commercial cutaway coming in and out of commercial is going to be some scene from something in Disney. And you're going to have Giannis on a ride and LeBron, and it's okay, it's great. But for this to really work, for them to really send the right message... They need fans either in the stands, which we're not talking about, or they need fans at the park. And that probably is what we're talking about here. So um, that's kind of the hidden trick here is to have the NBA on campus in some kind of safe bubble at Disney while at the same time having a limited number of guests enjoying the park so they can, they can put that on camera. Being quarantined with people, you uh, you learn a lot more about them, and some of that is how they smell. And if you are a man and you're looking to smell good, you've got to check out Hawthorne. I got some of their soap, body wash, deodorant, and lotion in the mail in a package, really a beautiful package. And 
It is great. It got this giant bar of soap that I've been using. It not only exfoliates, but it makes your, your skin just smell and feel so good. It's easily the best soap I've ever owned. And I've owned a lot of different soaps, but this is easily the best soap. And it's a great gift for Father's Day. So they've got cologne, they have soap, they have all kinds of body wash and lotion, and they have like hand cream and things like that that'll just make you smell great. I think one challenge that, that men have is when you walk into a store, maybe you're going to find cologne, maybe you're going to find a good smelling soap. I don't know what I'm looking for, and I'm sure that you guys don't either. And so Hawthorne makes it super easy. You take a two-minute two minute quiz when you get onto their website. That's hawthorne.co. When you go to their website, and you take the quiz, and it actually asks some like random questions and some questions specific to you, and it kind of spits out this algorithm that gives you your kind of soap and your cologne scent, which is really cool. And it is so helpful to me because I don't want to have to choose that. I really don't care about choosing what it is, but Hawthorne does it for you and it does it right. So listeners, check out Hawthorne at Hawthorne.co. That's Hawthorne with an E dot C-O, not dot com, Hawthorne.co. And use the promo code ATHLETIC to get 10% off your first purchase. That's Hawthorne.co and use the promo code ATHLETIC to get 10% off your first purchase. Hawthorne.co. Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense. And the business stuff should be top of mind for anybody who's trying to break down this situation and understand why we got to this point. I mean, I had one person who had a pretty good read on how this went down, you know, say bluntly um, that, that Disney had leveraged, you know, the hotels, the restaurants, the golf courses, the facilities, you know, everything that comes with their resources and what they have um, with the league. And, and, you know, we probably should have mentioned even higher that because we assume people know, you know, the NBA's TV contract here with ESPN and Turner is the number one factor um, to, to why they are returning, why they are trying to make this thing happen. Nine years, $24 billion signed back. I pulled up the old news story today, Joe uh, signed back in officially October, 2014. Um, you know, getting back on television again uh, will, uh, and this is the figure I was given, is that the playoffs themselves, all alone, uh, will put roughly $900 million back in their pockets. Um, and that's the cash that is tied to that TV contract. Um, the other thought I had on that front, Joe, is, is you know, listen, I know the league, based on their, their, their typical uh, revenue streams, is hemorrhaging at the moment and I get it and it's had a very real ripple effect with some organizations with layoffs with cutbacks with people you know taking a a, maybe a a little bit less pay Um, it's also though I think fair to offer a reminder of like how astronomical these numbers are for the league and how it was not that long ago that they were playing in a different sandbox so to speak Um, that tv contract you know the, the 24 billion dollar one was uh, three times what they had previously. And so there's part of me that says, I mean, if they can get out of this pandemic with a playoffs, with these revenue streams restored, uh, you know, some of them, um, they can't complain too much. And then, you know, everybody's going to take a, a haircut and come out on the other side with a, a different season, with a different landscape. Um, but, you know, that's obviously why they're they're doing this here. The, yes, and and I want. I'm glad you brought this up. Um, you and I have both written some things about this, uh, and 
and while you and I have been on the same page, there's been some contradictory information out there that just was not correct or was misleading, and we need, I think it's important for listeners to understand this. Um, as you mentioned, there's $2.6 billion a year that these two uh, major networks pay to carry the national games. Uh, that's TNT and that's Disney. Okay. Uh, they get a certain amount of games during the regular season. They get tentpole events, which are you know, the major events on days like Christmas if you're ESPN ABC. Um, TNT gets the All-Star Game, and they get Martin Luther King, and they get opening night always, that kind of stuff. And then ESPN ABC does its Saturday night thing. Okay, that's for a certain amount of money. But most of what they pay for is of course the playoffs now here's here's the issue here here's where the issue has been um as of now the the networks have been making their payments on time uh they are continuing to honor the contract uh in effect because the season has not been canceled so the networks as of now are technically paying money to the nba and to its teams for games that are not being played but here if the season gets canceled the nba doesn't get to keep that money okay and that's where the like that's what it sounds so obvious to you and i but reading enough like we should clarify this for anybody who didn't see our stuff um they don't get to keep that money okay (laughs) the there would either there would be a breach of contract and um you know there would have to be some kind of major major repayment like we've kind of spelled out and so that is the rub here. But as it relates to this Disney thing, keep in mind, like, it would be the league on the hook. So so when you say – when someone tries to say, well, Disney is, is, is trying to host the NBA to, quote, protect its investment of the billion dollars or whatever um, – I mean that's true a little bit insofar as they're just making sure that there there won't be some terrible courtroom fight over like you know this billion dollars worth of business that was not done but at the end of the day it would be the NBA that's on the hook and the NBA could have played this in Vegas they could have played it anywhere so so I, I just come back to this idea that Disney is getting this not because of that TV deal and in effect like they have bigger ideas in mind and that comes back to kind of growing their own business with the marketing and and you know sort of the messaging about it's safe to come to the parks right right all good perspective um let's talk about the basketball stuff here um yeah because i think for that's that's where the conversation is finally going we, we seem to have the location now um it, it's obviously unprecedented and so adam silver and his staff are making decisions on playoff structure end of regular season scenarios um, here's where it stands, you know, from my perspective and, and if I'm handicapping things here, how I see this going down for one, in terms of the timeline, um, I believe what they will ultimately do is, is tell teams to have uh, about two weeks in your market, uh, to get ready a little mini camp of sorts, um, followed by then heading out to Orlando, having two weeks out there. Um, the next kind of timeline trigger to keep an eye on that is probably going to be very soon is I don't believe as we do this pod that they have uh, recalled uh, players who went over to Europe during the breakdown here or the, the season suspension. And so, you know, they're going to have to do that and then give those players two weeks to come in. So the late July thing versus mid does seem 
plausible. Now, then you get into this robust discussion that is happening, you know, in real time right now, this week, I think being pivotal for this of, uh, okay, if you're, if you're going to do the end of the regular season, first of all, we got to mention the business incentive there. Um, all 30 teams have a regional sports network TV contract that is nothing compared to the national one, but it's not nothing either. And some of these bigger market teams like the Lakers and the Warriors have big, big numbers um, that, you know, a lot of money on the line. One, one estimate that I was given is that the Lakers are about $20 million shy on their regional uh, contract right now. And they get, I believe, about a million, a million and a half per game. So they have incentive to play regular season games. Uh, and there are, you know, lesser teams and lesser markets that where that number is nowhere near that. But, you know, they want to, to try to recoup some of that revenue too. But then you're also going to have to be sensitive to the the human component meaning you know that these players these coaches you know even they can only be shameless to a point you know Damian Lillard comes out over the weekend tells Chris Haynes of Yahoo Sports that if if I don't have a meaningful way to compete you know with the playoffs in mind then I'm going to sit on the bench and I'm not going to play because Damian you know he, he gets the business side but it's like don't ask me to bounce that ball you know if I just went from being in playoff contention before the uh, the shutdown to to now being out, so they're having to navigate all that. Um, you know, I think we are going to see some real creativity when it comes to the the uh, the playoff structure and maybe some play in components. Um, but but I think it'll be fun to see how it all unfolds. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, to me, the the Damian Lillard uh, revelation was kind of a no brainer. I mean, the Warriors are already telling you. Um, that, that if if they are some, for some reason forced to do this, that that no player um, that's ever set foot in an All Star game will be will be participating in this in any way, shape, or form, um, and that just that just makes that does make a lot of sense to me um, from a from a player perspective. I uh, you know the TV contract thing is real, and then the other thing is um, you want when the playoffs start, whenever that is. You want the best level of basketball that you can, and um, you. First of all, you're not going to get that. Uh, you're not going to get the level of play that you would have gotten without an interruption because we've had too long of an interruption. But to get anywhere close to it, you you, you need to have some kind of ramp up, and you can't do that at practice. You just can't. Like the, there has to be some kind of of competition beforehand. So bringing everybody back or bringing almost everybody back or whatever to have some kind of finish to the regular season or some kind of glorified exhibition to get everybody out there and get everybody moving and get them ready, heading in the right direction, just that makes sense. What doesn't make sense is the absorbent amount of money that it will cost even for a couple weeks or a month or whatever it took to do that part. Uh, on behalf of the 14 teams that are not getting in. I mean, you're talking about paying salaries. You're talking about uh, all this money for food and for hotels and for whatever. I mean, to, to put somebody on location for a month. And you have to keep in mind, there is no there is no money to be made here on the part of the NBA. None. Uh, we've already talked about the TV contract. Well, that's that's money they were already getting. Okay, they can't make a dollar on on at the gate or on concessions because they're not going to have fans. 
So this is a loss no matter what. They're playing at a loss, but you play, you make sure you have a playoff so you mitigate your losses. Another way to do that is to shrink the pool. And that is a reason why I think that we're probably looking at some kind of 16-team thing. Yeah, no, we'll see. Um, I, I think within that, too, uh, and we, you and I talked about this off-air a little bit, um, we have some some very real business elements, I think, that, that are in play here uh, relating to certain star players that, you know, I, I guarantee you that, the, you know, it's two guys that come to mind. The NBA would love to see Zion Williamson in the playoffs. Now, you know, even me saying that might, you know, solicit a, a call from the league that says, of course, we would never compromise the competitive integrity of what we do. And I'm not saying that, but they would love to see Zion in the playoffs. And so as we sit here talking, <clears throat> they were three and a half behind Memphis for the eight spot. Uh, and so if you do, like I mentioned earlier, some sort of structure where, you know, seven plays eight for the eight, nine plays 10, and the winner plays the loser of the seven, eight game for that eight seed. And voila, maybe New Orleans plays its way in. Now, the other problem there is that you got three, ti- uh, three teams tied for eighth in the West. So that stuff's got to get resolved in the regular season. Um, the other player, though, is Luka Doncic. And I know that sounds it, it, you know, like it's not relevant because the Mavs are in seventh. But if you get too cute with these scenarios and you involve the seventh seed team and give them a path out of the playoffs, that would not be wise either. Because Luka, just like Zion, is the kind of guy that, that people want to see on the playoff stage for the first time. So um, that that's kind of when you know it's real that these discussions are are uh, are happening and moving forward quickly is because now we're getting into the weeds with all the specific stuff here. And, and this week, um, Joe, let's see, today's Tuesday. I believe that they, this, this week is going to unfold like this. There's, you know, a meeting tomorrow with either co- the competition committee or the, the finance committee with some owners Thursday, there's another significant meeting with presidents and GMs talking to the NBA. And then Friday, another Board of Governors meeting. So I think by the time we get to the weekend, we're going to have a much clearer picture here. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, the other thing that we were wrestling with off air, um, but as we were talking, I, you know, one of the aggregators moved this again, so screw it. We'll, we'll do it in a different way. Um, but our discussion was, when we're trying to figure out what to talk about, I wanted to talk about what was true or what was likely to happen versus some fantasy. Um, and this idea of group stages, which is ridiculous to me, um, might happen. And, uh, and I know you've been doing a lot of reporting on all the different ways that, that this could work. And, and um, you know, so we'll see how much you want to tip your hand. But, but I think the, I want to pose the question to you because there's other things, right? There's let's do 1 to 16 where, you know, it doesn't matter what conference you've played in. And getting all the way to as crazy as um, – you know, this group stage, and then there's something in the middle where you kind of have play-ins for like the seven through the 10 seeds. And so my question to you, Sam, is in this unprecedented era of a pandemic at a time of major professional sports, um, how different and and how far off the normal path should they get? What, you know, I mean, if if there if we didn't have a two and a half month stoppage, we would never be considering uh, one to sixteen formats and and all this other stuff. Um, so how crazy should we get this one time? 
Well, I mean, to me, the context matters a lot. You got to remember that Adam Silver was already pushing the league in this direction before the pandemic, and a play-in tournament mid-season had already been discussed in, in a pretty serious way, and we were heading that direction. Um, I think Adam and his general nature, uh, like if this league had, you know, begun um, in 2013 when he took over as commissioner and he was forming it in his vision. I think it would look a lot different than it currently does. He has respect for the dogma and the history that comes with the NBA, but I there is part of me that, that kind of you know my answer would be do not be shocked if he doesn't get a little crazy here um, because I think this is you know the only time in his tenure likely that he's going to have this kind of an excuse to put everything you know kind of throw everything against the wall and then on the back end next season and beyond. You can decide what sticks and what's worthy of holding on to. But he's wanted to do this stuff for a while. He tracks you know, the European soccer leagues quite a bit and, and some of the planned stuff that happens over there. Um, his ideas have been getting you know, kind of more, more – not out there makes it sound like he's a crazy guy, but he's, you know, he's been creative for the past couple of years trying to, to find ways to bring the league to another level business-wise. And – and I think you know, there's no way that he's going to uh, to not do something different when this thing gets going in July. I just wonder, you know. I, I mean, and I, I mean, I, I have, uh, you know, I'll be honest. I have the Lakers on my mind, and I have the Bucks on my mind. First and foremost, the Clippers, um, and just this idea of, you know, listen, we tried in this regular season. Um, we gave we gave a damn, and we did we did it a certain way because those were the rules. And yes, because of this pandemic, we have lost our home court advantage. It's true. Um, but shouldn't we at least get the benefit of having won all those games during the regular season when it comes to seeding? And so I guess that makes more of a like, well, I, I don't even because I'm, I'm not smart enough to play this out when you get in, into the second and third rounds of the playoffs. Um, you know, but from a first round perspective, that would really seem to be unfair for the East teams, which, you know, the rules were a certain way when the season began. And so they set up their season accordingly. And it would be unfair then to, instead of having you were a six seed and so now you're playing the three seed, well, now you got to go play somebody in the West instead in the first round. That just seems unfair to me. And the, the thing about the group stages, and, and maybe I don't understand enough, but like, if you're in a group stage, like, I, I don't know that anything you did in the regular season matters, does it? I mean, you might not even make it. I don't know. I, it just it seems crazy. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you, as you were breaking it down there, the word fair is what sticks out in my mind. I think um, fairness has never mattered less when it comes to this type of a situation. <laughs> it doesn't mean it doesn't matter at all. I think it matters a great deal for the Lakers and the Bucks and the teams at the top. They're going to, I believe, try to honor what those teams have accomplished to this point and to, you know, by the time it's all said and done, to have their path to the finals and to a championship be as, you know, as similar in this scenario as it would have been if this never happened. But the degree to which they care about fairness, I, I can almost assure you, you know, drops off a cliff once you start getting into the bottom four. Um, I think, you know, some of the messaging from Adam on his call, I believe this one was with uh, with GMs, was 
for all 30 teams to take a holistic view on this situation. And I think I'd reported this at the time that, that people on the call thought that he was referring to uh, to the Warriors and Steve Kerr has been very outspoken about not wanting to take part and not, not kind of help and do your part. And, you know, I think his answer to a lot of these complaints, whatever form they come in, is going to be, you know, I'm trying to make the best of a bad situation and it's just not going to look the same as it, it did before this happened. So I hear you on that. Um, but that's where the, the decibel level of this debate is going to get louder and get really interesting in the next couple of weeks because now we're moving out of the discussion about location. We have a rough sense of the timeline. Now it's the basketball. Now it's the, you know, it's the actual conclusion of the season. So um, I'm here for it, and I, you know, I'm already starting to field some of these calls and, and some of the indignation that you're – alluding to is that does exist and those people you know they'll try to fight for their teams and for their agendas and and that's going to be happening all over the place so i think it's going to be a really interesting uh, next couple weeks so let me let me play let me talk out of both sides of my mouth here um the the reason you do it the reason you get crazy is again because of the unprecedented nature of the situation like never before and probably never again unless pandemics keep coming back um, will you have uh, a campus-like format, which is when we've talked about reseeding for playoffs before, we've said, no, you can't do that because of the absurd travel early in the playoffs, um, the fairness, you know, you can't do that. Like, we, you just can't. And well, now you can because they're all in the same spot. So you should do it. And then also, um, you know, I think because of the understanding of uh, just how terrible everything is right now, um, that that fans would really sink their teeth into something totally new. And so, yeah, like a group stage, like while unfair to LeBron. I mean, they've been and, watching horse competitions. Yeah, dozens yeah. of them, I'm sure, we're watching. But you know, yes. Yeah, so, like, so why not? Yeah. So, so this one time, why not light your hair on fire and right. and you know make the Lakers play out of a a group stage like Brazil or Germany in the World Cup. Why not? Right, right, right. And then on the back end, we could decide, you know, that, that discussion about if the Lakers win it, if the Bucks win it, does it have an asterisk? Okay, we'll figure that out later. The answer is no, but of course it's going to be perceived differently. That's not going to get changed, uh, I think, if they go a little crazy with the playoff structure. So uh, I think it'll be fun to see what they do here. Well, um, you know, I think you kind of said alluded to this earlier, but am, am I am I wrong to 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 believe that we're going to hear something very concrete as to what this is going to look like by the end of this week? Yeah, I, I think. I mean, I'd be surprised if it went to uh, to. Um, sorry, the hesitation is getting a, a good little phone call from a source, and so maybe I'll know more for the next pod. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I think we're gonna. You know, this week is going to be. Maybe the the structure getting decided on the player voice is going to matter a lot. You know, as an aside, the, what I keep calling the super friends, superstar phone call, um, those I believe are still happening once or twice a week with Chris Paul and Steph Curry and Damian Lillard and Kawhi Leonard and LeBron and I think Russell Westbrook. Um, and so, what those guys are thinking is always going to be factored in big time by Adam because he is such a players commissioner. Um, so, and then next week. You know, I think is when you see the uh, players getting recalled from Europe, if not sooner, and then you know guys getting back in market, guys getting back in shape, and starting to, to get these wheels in motion here. 
Well, we're looking forward to all that. And, you know, we, I mean, we want it to happen. Like we want, you know, there are things we can't control. Um, and obviously you and I can't control whether the NBA comes back. But, but we can control like doing our work and wanting to be involved in work. And, um, you know, I think it will be good for the country uh, if, this, if this comes off and comes off without anybody getting seriously hurt. And it'll be, it'll be good. So, um, you know, it should be an exciting week ahead. All right, Joe, have a great week. Thank you, as always, to everybody for listening, and we'll be back with you next week.